the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. 2019, almost over. 2020, right around the corner. It's kind of exciting. It's the year of the optometrist, right? Think about it. You'll laugh later. Maybe you won't laugh. But as 2019 kind of winds down, I want to mention that at newfocusfinancial.com, there's some blogs. And one of them that just went up that I'm looking at, it was written by a CFP that I like a lot named Dan Fetterman. Um, Works with CFP Chad Burton. You can find this blog at newfocusfinancial.com. End of the year checklist is, listen to this. What do you think you have to do by the end of the year? You're like, well, by the end of the year, I have to plan my Christmas party. I have to buy Christmas gifts. And well, I got to think about taking some time off and getting fat. Right. So here's what you have to do as an investor. You have to think about your retirement plans. Have you maxed out your employee pre-tax Roth deferrals? If your employer's plan allows after-tax contributions and you have the means to contribute more, have you done it? Have you contributed to traditional IRA or Roth? Do you qualify? If you are self-employed, have you considered switching to an individual 401k by year end? How about your health savings account? A high deductible health care plan combined with health savings accounts could get you to rock more money for retirement if you're young. No, 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 I don't want to say young. If you're on the healthy side. Flexible spending accounts. I used to date a woman who... I think she had a side gig at one point in her life selling eyeglasses. She's like, she'd always be like, don't forget your flexible spending account. You can drain it and buy new glasses at the end of the year. And I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, it's, sometimes it's free money. Not free money. It's money left on the table. Your benefits have typically open enrollment period in November and December. It's a good time to take a look at this. Um, identity protection is sometimes offered by your uh, benefits enrollment, voluntary life insurance, long and short-term disability insurance. A friend that I love very, very dearly, her husband passed away in a car crash many, 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 many years ago. And he worked at Apple. And oddly enough, her family helped her with a grieving process, Right. It's just what family's supposed to do. Oh, we love you. We love you. Let us take care of you. Turns out they didn't realize that because the husband worked at Apple, he had a $400,000 life insurance policy that all you had to do was say, my husband died. I had a $400,000 life insurance policy. Can I have it, please? And they wrote her a check for $400,000 as just part of his benefits package. That goes a long way. At the end of the year, you want to think about your investments, tax loss harvesting. You want to update your risk tolerance. You want to think about your IRA donations for charitable giving. You want to think about gifting stocks. 
if it's the end of the year, you also, or if you're near that retirement age, you got to start thinking about minimum withdrawals. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to add a little bit of color and flair. I like the flair, CFP Chad Burton. Now, certified financial planner Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. I've got a lot of equity in my home. Do I need to have an emergency fund as well? What are your thoughts on that, Chad? You know, this was so popular, like 2005 through seven, where people were taking out these huge home equity lines of credit that they were just sitting there. And uh, they're like, oh, if anything happens, I'll just draw on my home equity line of credit. Well, 2008 came along and, you know, people draw, drew on these home equity line of credits. As soon as you draw on them, you have to make payments. And so it's kind of like this compounding problem when eventually the equity line runs out. Uh, over a hundred grand, there's you lose some tax deduction issues, and it just becomes a problem. Uh, home equity line because it makes payments. It's not an emergency reserve. There's also a lot of banks that shut down home equity loans that were out outstanding, that were not being used, saying, "Up, oh, we're not offering these anymore. Here's your cancellation letter." So no, I mean I get this email every once in a while as well. Uh, home equity line of credit or equity in your home is not an emergency reserve. An emergency reserve is something that you can draw on to make payments if you're disabled for a short period of time. Okay. Maybe you break a leg in a skiing accident. It, um, it, it puts food on the table. It keeps you know a roof over your head, however you want to say it, without any responsibilities once you draw on it. So no payments as a result. So six months emergency reserves for most families. There's a lot of people in the Bay Area that maybe jump from startup to startup and um, or salespeople that jump around quite a bit, and they need at least a year. So what I like people to do in terms of their basic financial planning, there's a, in fact, at newfocusfinancial.com under the resource center, there's a 15 steps to take before you need a financial advisor, things that you need to do on your own before you should pay anybody for help. And it talks about emergency reserves. It talks about putting enough into your 401k to get the match, then opening a Roth, then once you've done that and you have your emergency reserves, you've got a certain percentage of paying your 401k, a certain in the Roth, you can then start doing a taxable account, just a regular tax-efficient account, usually in tax-efficient ETFs or exchange-traded funds, which are like index funds, and start building wealth that way. So you kind of take these real specific building blocks of a financial pl- base, a good financial planning base, so that in the future, you have, a lot, you have a lot of flexibility to either change jobs, start a business, buy a rental property that makes sense, upgrade your home, whatever it may be. But you just got to take those steps. It's not, unfortunately, Rob, we've got this kind of mentality, especially if you're younger generation, is I, I want or deserve right now what my parents already have. Well, when I got to the Bay Area 15 years ago, you know, uh, Marin, which was it's one of the areas of California, for those listening nationally, uh, one of the counties, it was the BMW capital of the world because people were taking their money out of their home equity and buying a $60,000, $80,000 car. And I always thought that was egregious. I'm very conservative with my home equity. How about you? Um, yeah, I just, you know, the only the only thing I'm going to do with my home equity is if, if I ever find uh, additional real estate properties where it makes sense to leverage existing equity in existing real estate and after you use it to buy new real estate net of your loans and your increased withdrawal of equity you have much more positive cash flow and still a bunch of remaining equity so that's the only thing i use real estate equity for is to trade for other real estate equity 
It's not for living. It's not for investing in stocks. It's not for putting in insurance products or anything like that that commission-based scumbags will tell you. It's to leverage. It's the only way that real estate keeps up with or exceeds stocks is because of the leverage. Leverage equals additional risk. So you've got to build those financial planning building blocks, that foundation of emergency reserves and one year's of one year's worth of income saved up in regular investment accounts before you start looking at those types of strategies. What I like about your idea of using home equity to go out and buy other rental properties or other properties, um, when the opportunity arises, it's kind of like selling your current house part of it and you, you know, using some of that to diversify into other areas. And it's not a bad idea. It's a real smart idea. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So I was reading some research this morning on some biotech companies, and it's the reason I don't buy individual biotech companies. I'm not going to say that's forever and ever, but Nectar Therapeutics has announced a presentation of some preclinical data in which they have a product called NKTR255, and it's promise in hematological malignancies. Okay, I'm out. I didn't get far enough in biochemistry to to go further than what is a CD8 plus effector memory T cell. You got to know your limitations when it comes to investing. I don't do biotech companies. I don't know the science to do biotech companies. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Seems just like yesterday we were talking about marijuana stocks as story stock investing. As we went to the polls and a couple more states a few years back legalized medical marijuana and recreational marijuana, some one, some the other. Canada did it on a big scale, and we're like, "Woo! this is going to equal volume, volume, volume in orders. Sure. And it did. And uh, probably the future is very, very bright for more legalization as states look for ways to figure out their tax delinquencies and shortcomings and go, let's make more tax money. Canopy Growth is one of the stocks that I have avoided, but it's the best name as far as a pure play on weed. There's other ones like Tilray, which are more plays on the medicinal value of marijuana. My problem is Disney can make a princess, call her Cinderella, put her in the basement, release a movie, and then put her in a basement and forget about her. And then pull her out and use her again and again and again, whether it be DVD, LaserDisc, VHS, whether it be digital rights. Whereas Canopy Growth, it's the, the magic is growing weed. It would need sunshine, some water, and some heat. You don't even need sunshine, right? Grow lights or something like that. So the cannabis producer, Constellation Brands, there's... Okay, wait, wait. This is tricky. Canopy Growth and Constellation Brands are different companies, but Constellation Brands owns 38% of Canopy Growth. And it looks like they may have bought into that stake of the company a little bit too early because they're letting the CEO of Canopy Growth go, and they're welcoming in their very own CFO from Constellations stepping in to be the CEO of Canopy. That's a mess to me. 
Um, a Tesla on autopilot rear-ended a parked police car. <laughs> oh, oh! And Elon Musk went driving around in his truck in Malibu. But a Tesla Model Three was engaged in autopilot when it rear-ended a parked police car in Connecticut. I'm not that freaked out by that. I could tell you how many people died from drunk driving yesterday. I, I like the idea of autopilot going forward very much. And do I think it's going to be a 2020 story like we talked about three, four years ago? No. But by all means, crash into a couple of police cars and get it out of the way. This is a technology we need. Company's vehicle user manuals caution drivers to remain attentive while driving. Um, Tesla's autopilot was known to be engaged during the three fatal crashes in the United States, uh, including a 2018 Model 3 crash in Delray Beach, Florida. So it's not a perfect technology in any way, shape, or form. Don't bite. You know who they say is going to win that? A really good article this weekend in Barron's about Alphabet. I still hate calling it Alphabet, but you know the company is Google, but the holding company is called Alphabet. And, you know, the CEO, Sundar Pichai, now has the toughest job in technology, in my opinion, as Larry Page and Serge Brennan retired. Not retired, but kind of gave over the keys to the car completely. They'll still be there for their intellectual prowess, but it's always interesting when founders step aside, right? But Barron's did a really nice job on talking about one of the things Sundar Pichai can focus on, and that's Alphabet's Waymo unit clear leader in the race for autonomous driving leadership right now. And as a father, I could tell you, I remember back in high school and college, you remember a couple friends you had that you knew a guy who got killed drunk driving or in the back seat, or you knew a car of teenagers, but you actually didn't know any of them, but they went to your school. Everyone's trying to figure this out. Big business. Can you imagine how self-driving cars will hurt the insurance industry? Or will it help the insurance industry? Fewer claims, right? Playing catch-up right now with Google's Alphabet's Waymo unit, our Tesla, Uber, Lyft, DD, Zooks, Apple, GM, Volkswagen, Ford. Alphabet's spending about a billion dollars a year on its self-driving fleet and technology, well ahead of uh, how much Uber's spending on a development perspective. And I got to imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, throwing money at this problem is probably a good, probably gets results. Waymo One rides are also human supervised initially, and Waymo plans to continue to build out its reach to more um, consumers over time. So far, the self-driving cars that have been put into service in Phoenix have driven a thousand riders to school, work, or shopping. So they're getting there. Feels like it's a 92-year-old man, right? The technology of self-driving cars. It feels old. They're getting there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. PG&E's in the news today. Um, Great article in the Wall Street Journal. And today I'm almost deflecting telling you where some great articles are. It talks about how tough it is for a company like PG&E to do everything right. But PG&E stock is rallying big today. It reached a $13.5 billion deal with the victims of the deadly wildfires caused by its equipment. 
That means the company has cleared one of the biggest hurdles of its bankruptcy court obligations. The cost of the 2017 and 2018 wildfire seasons amongst the most destructive in the history of the state of California prompted PG&E to go into bankruptcy, right? Chapter 11. You know, what's pretty interesting is corporations are defined by the IRS as humans. And it's interesting to look at the different types of bankruptcy laws, chapter 7 and 11, and how they apply to the human Procter and not Procter and Gamble, but Pacific Gas and Electric. PG&E initially estimated the cost would add up to $30 billion. Now the total is looking closer to $25 billion. It's paying about $11 billion to insurance claim holders, $1 billion to local governments, $13.5 billion to wildfire victims to cover underinsured and uninsured losses, along with claims for emotional distress and injuries that went along with it. So the stock's on fire today. Oh, oh, bad choice of words. Did not mean that one. The stock's doing well today. Is that better? Because it's about $5 billion that, a little extra $5 billion wiggle room. I have no interest in playing PG&E as a stock. I talk about it because I live in the area and a lot of people have worked for the company. Um, what would I do if I owned shares of the company? I would, pl- I would start diversifying. Because there's a chance it could go to zero with wildfires. There's a chance it could go to zero with bankruptcy courts. And I don't like that. Too random for me. I know Apple could have a phone that causes cancer or something like that. And that's, that would be a horrible, horrible news. So it, all stocks could go to zero, but you've got to play some odds, right? Do you remember a couple of years ago when we were talking about people afraid of putting their phone up to their head? And there's, there's articles on Yahoo that would scare you like tumors the size of a cell phone. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking about all things financial, money, investing, and more. What are you going to do in retirement? I don't know. I'm closer to retirement than I am to starting a business. I'm closer to retirement than I am to, you know. So it's starting to get in my head. I was listening today, someone being interviewed about what he's going to do when he retires in Vegas. And the answer was I, he, he didn't know. He was going to sit by a pool for at least a month. But wouldn't it stink to retire, move to Vegas, and then find out it's too hot or not good enough for what have you. I've got some friends who retired in Sparks, Nevada. Pretty interesting because um, they kind of made the most out of it, but then they got out of town. So the early part of their retirement, they kind of used it as a good hub to get to Asia, a decent hub to get to the East Coast, hub for all their family, uh, very centrally located. Spent from 60 to 70 in that period where uh, they, they're still very mobile. Get to the point, my mom's over 80, that she's not as mobile. When I went to see my mom recently, you know, I had to check to see if she had soiled herself. I had to grab something in case she soiled herself when we went out for dinner. 
and then trying to get her up and down in an SUV, very, very difficult, but far easier than getting her down into a, a sedan. Um, just her hips don't work as well. So I bring that up in large part, again, tied towards what are you going to do in retirement? So I had some friends that retired in Sparks, and they kind of used that. They used it for all it was worth, and they're like, uh-oh, now what do we do? So they were in a one-level home in Sparks, and they, you know, they'd go to casinos, and they'd get on the mailing list, and they'd get the free dinners and stuff like that. They enjoyed it. But then as you turn 70 from 60 and your mobility starts going down, or in this case, the, the mother, her cognizant ability started declining. Um, Alzheimer's? And the dad started having a little shakes. Parkinson's? So 70 kind of hit these two with a big old baseball bat and said, you got early stages of diseases that only get worse. And they panicked. And they're retired, and they panicked, and that's a bad time to panic. So they reached out to their children, and they basically decided that they wanted to live with one of their children in his basement. And I'm like, that's never going to work. I thought about it out loud. I did the work for them. I'm like, that's never going to work. Some people want to live in their kid's basement, and this is where I get a little cultural. And I'll say there's some Latin communities where, and some Asian communities where taking care of your elders is, is widely expected to be the norm. This isn't them. They don't have a warm family. And they're like, we'll see the grandkids. We'll love seeing the grandkids. Now, the problem is the grandkids that they moved into with, they're all over 18 years old. And the grandkids who are, kids who are between 18 and 25 don't really want to hang out with grandparents all the time. They're interested in members of the opposite sex. They're interested in careers. They're interested in video games. They're not really interested necessarily. So this couple sold their house in Sparks, moved into their son's basement, decided this isn't going so well because neither really are driving anymore. So the son and his wife have to kind of caddy them around they're not hanging out with the grandkids. Grandkids don't care. They're living in a basement, so they don't get a lot of sunshine. And then the, his son and his wife start working extra more because it looks like they don't really want to hang out with the dad anymore, right? Dad starts getting depressed because he's got the early stages of Parkinson's. And, like, what happens if I die? Who's going to take care of my wife? Who's going to pay the bills? She's in early stages of, of Alzheimer's. It's not good. He tries to kill himself. Gets really, really depressed, tries to kill himself. Doesn't want to be a burden on anyone. And I think that's a generational thing, not being a burden. And I'll joke, and I'll make bad, tasteless jokes like, Rob Black's got the five-year plan. Every year, every five years, I divorce and marry a woman five years younger, right? It's stupid. It's stupid. It's sexist. It's, It's the wrong thing to say. But it's also a plan. To have a healthy, able-bodied person. <laughs> and that's where the joke is. Like, don't you marry for love, not for a bed bed nurse? Is that a term, a bed nurse? I think so. Anyhow, I tell that story shockingly and vividly because you have to have a plan. 
And I, I'm not saying not having a retirement plan of what, how he was going to pass his time. It did a great job from 60 to 70. Oh, there's a commercial for Fidelity now of, oops, life, life changed, where they have like, they retire and they go in their Fidelity office like, hey, congratulations. And then five years later, like, hey, we want to move close to our daughter. Hey, congratulations. Life changed. So Fidelity's there for all your changes in life. I think this is a good example of why you want to have a retirement plan. And when, what's it going to look like? This was a great plan from 60 to 70, awful from 70 to 71. And I'll, I'll keep you up to date as they, as they continue to age. And they're family friends. And uh, I think it's, it's going to be more common than uncommon. So what are you going to do in retirement? You should start having a pretty good idea. I kind of want to write a book based on next door. I uh, live in a community called Devonshire Canyon. And I've got, in theory, 1,900 neighbors signed up for this wonderful website. And uh, it's people complaining about life. <laughs> and we live in a pretty good area, so the problems are pretty humorous to me. Uh, so in retirement, I'm going to put together a book of, of people's complaints. People complain. The dog poop drives people crazy. Let me just say that. I've got a dog, and I get being responsible with it. I get it, right? But man, if you let your dog poop in someone's yard, they will take a picture of it. They will get the video surveillance ring cameras from everyone on the street, and they will identify three suspects. And they'll put a picture of the poop in the in the uh, circular that they're sitting around. Is this yours? Uh, people complaining about babysitters. Oh, I love it because people are just so mean. They're like, um, if you're complaining about babysitters, it probably means you're not paying enough for a babysitter. True, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money investing and more. The last decade has brought a charging bull. If you're 25 years old, basically since you've been an adult, the stock market's been moving higher. If you're 40 and you didn't save enough, but you started saving when you were 40 and now you're 50, it's been a good blessing for you. It's a charging bull market. You haven't had to put up with a recession so whether you like Obama or like Trump, both are somehow behind a 10-year expansion in the stock market. First seven, eight years with Obama, um, and then the last two, three years with Trump. Bull market's hitting all-time highs, and it doesn't seem to be losing steam right now. So one of the negatives on that is I do remember recessions, and I do like recessions. I'm a bit of a weirdo for that. I like it when the stock market goes down. I don't like it going down 60%. That makes me a little nervous. Because it didn't slow down after 10, and then it's down 20. I've seen a 60% correction. So the people I'm worried about are people like the 25-year-olds or the 30-year-olds who've only known an up-bull market. In an up-bull market, we've had a great job cycle. Now, some people would say that our jobs aren't middle class enough, aren't increasing inflation, wage inflation enough. But um, we're spending pretty crazily on a lot of toys and a lot of gadgets. So in the good times, it's easy to forget that there are bad times and like that was kind of a discretionary purchase you just made. I've got a friend who's looking at a virtual reality headset right now. I'm like, you funded your retirement, right? 
yes, then you have my blessing. Toys after you fund your retirement. Vacations after you fund your retirement. You fund your retirement, you get $2,000, $4,000, in in a, any calendar year, and you can do whatever you want in my book. And again, more is better, but that's a good start. I'm not much of a consumer anymore. Um, I went to the Stanford Ladies NCAA soccer game last night. They were playing North Carolina for the soccer championship, which Stanford won, which helps the value of my home as colleges get more championships. I live close to Stanford, and woohoo! But uh, I don't even know why I brought the Oh, a consumer. I can't get myself to pay $10 for it. Like, it just drives me crazy to be a consumer, like at a sporting event. Too pricey. Too pricey. So the millennials have only experienced a bull market. They've not experienced a bear market. If you're an older millennial, maybe, yeah. Like if you're 35. But most of them only seen good times. And they only know, let's spend what we, I have because I have a job. Do you remember 10 years ago when unemployment spiked to 10%, 11% in the United States? A lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people lost their jobs. And suddenly everyone's nice to their boss. Hey, it's be nice to your boss day. I hate days like that. For the record, if we could end all national days, it's National Prime Rib Day. Hey, it's National Sandwich Day. Uh, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. What are you going to do in retirement? You need to start thinking about that. I told a great story why today. Americans say on average that it takes a net worth of $2.27 million to be considered wealthy. What's your definition of wealth? Average family in America, I'll tell you when we come back off break, how do you stack up? I'm Rob Black. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Taking on debt during the holidays, always a bad idea. In large part, You've got assets, you've got liabilities, credit card debt, mortgage debt, student debt, liability. Your net worth is tied towards your assets and your liabilities. Your liabilities are negative, your assets are positive. A lot of people are going into uh, debt this time of year. 58% of Americans exceeded the $500 mark already when it came to holiday-related spending on things such as gifts, travels, meals, and parties. About a third of the people who hit that spending threshold took it on in credit and debt to cover the costs. Too much pressure to buy. Um, I look at Black Friday as kind of like a national mor- day of mourning. We, we're shopping and we're gleeful, even though we should be sad. In my opinion... I'll shut up for now. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, retirement, stock markets, anything financial. Americans, on average, believe that it takes a net worth of about $2.2 million to be considered wealthy. $2.2 million would pay you almost... $80,000 a year until the day you died. If you were to invest it into an income portfolio, you'd get about 4 to 7% four to 7% returns is what you're looking for. You want to beat inflation, but you also want to pay yourself and get a little bit of growth. 
net worth is a mathematical formula. It's your assets minus your liabilities. So if your goal is to get a net worth of $2.2 million, that's going to be your home, your 401k, and other assets minus any debt. The average net worth in the United States for families, $692,100. in retirement ain't going to last long. Let's say your Social Security is 20000 24000 Some of that's going to go away to taxes. A lot of it's going to go away to, to Medicare costs. At what point, you know, 692000 let's call that 700000 let's be generous. That's going to maybe do $25,000 of income, 30000 maybe. So you add that onto your Social Security, you're looking at 60, 55, somewhere in that ballpark. But again, is your home earning you money if it's part of your net worth or is it just sitting there paid off? There's a lot of questions here. The net worth of U.S. families based on age. Net worth of U.S. families based on age is head of the household. Uh, you can imagine that it grows. Believe it or not, the, the best wealth is right around age 55 to 65 because then you start you start taking it down. So you know, CFP, Chad Burton runs NewFocusFinancial.com. A lot of their clients are retirees, right? Makes sense. Financial planning. A lot of them are right before retirement. But... The ones that are in retirement, they actually sell assets every year. So to grow your business, you have to continue to replace those or add more or grow better than the stock market. But um, you typically hit your highest net worth right around 55, 65, and then you start, like I say, uh, stop working at 60 and you live from 60 to 100 on your net worth. No! So that $1,000 virtual reality headset that you buy right now, or that 2000 if you give it time, it would be 4000 in your 30s. It would be 8000 in your 40s. It would be 16000 in your 50s. It would be $30,000 in your 60s. Every little decision we make adds up. Big time. It's probably the biggest regret that I have out there is some of the tech spending that I got on the fastest modems and the fastest wireless setups. Silly. Uh, Millennials. They're probably the big story. Like I said, it's going to be interesting to watch millennials. We're not looking at a recession in the face because that job report was too too darn good. And that came out on Friday. And on Fridays, I typically record a lot of best of materials for the future. And I so badly wanted to talk about that jobs report. I was like, no, don't date it. But the economy is boom. It's not, I don't want to use the word boom. I think it's leaving a lot of people behind. And I think there's a lot of uh, underemployed people. And I think there's a lot of consumers in America who are spending too much money on Christmas gifts. The end. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Best Buy is in the news today. Not because they got the new 12 days of Christmas coming up. But because insiders are selling a boatload of shares. Insiders have sold $200 million plus dollars of shares. Now, again, why do I bring that up? Best Buy is old. But on companies like Uber or Lyft, when the CEOs or the, the executives start selling their first rounds, it creates a lot of pressure on an IPO because it's a lot of sellers. 
It's a lot of shares of people who, oh, I got shares of Uber at two dollars, then it goes to ten dollars. It's still private. Then it goes twenty dollars. It's still private. Then it goes public at sixty bucks, and your two dollar investment is like, whoa. Let's take a look at that. So Best Buy has a lot of insider selling. Now, I wouldn't read the world in insider selling, but also I wouldn't ignore it. Insiders may know, like, the Titanic's getting ready to happen. You know, the rats and ships start running for the, the top when the boat's sinking, and everyone's like, what's going on? Well, the rats are running. And insider selling, some people think it's the rats. The insiders know something bad's about to happen, so they sell. Otherwise, why not hold on to it if good things are coming? I don't really believe in that theory. Um, I think the company's had a great 52 weeks, and I think sometimes selling shares is okay, especially if you're putting the money into a trust or a foundation or a retirement account or a yacht. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up. Use code RADIO25 to get in for free.